The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of You're Gonna Love Me. I hope you all had a nice week. I am so excited for my guest today. If you aren't watching Housewives of Salt Lake City, what are you actually doing? But she is sweet. She's beautiful. She's bubbly. She's so much fun. I have on Whitney Rose. Hi, everyone. Hi, Katie. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is so exciting. It's been almost a year since we met each other at Sundance. I know. Isn't that crazy? So much has changed in a year, Katie. (laughs) A lot has changed and yet nothing has changed. (laughs) It's been very (laughs) bleak, but I'm still doing good. It's this time of year that I really do miss Utah. There's usually snow on the ground and it just feels like that, you know, it just feels like the holidays. Do you ever come back for the holidays? I mean, normally I always come back like sometime in January, February, March, because, you know, maybe go to Sundance or my birthday's around there. So I, I, I have fun going to Park City for my birthday. But this year, no, just because of COVID and all of that, like I want to go really bad. Right. But, and there's no Sundance this year. So it's crazy. I mean, they're not doing it at all. No, nothing at all. Wow. That brought so much money into Park City. I mean, some of those um, venues and restaurants that would get rented out for so much money. That sucks. I know. Do you know what, though? Through COVID, Park City has stayed so busy. People from all over California, New York are coming here and renting all the houses and moving here. And it's been crazy. I was shocked going up there this summer. But that's crazy. I know. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean... It's kind of scary that everyone's coming here and we're having more people, but at the same time, it's great for our economy here in Utah and it's keeping Park City. You know, a lot of those shops and restaurants are mom pa shops, you know, they're not chains. All so of them, it, yeah. It, yeah. So it's great for our economy and it's helped, you know, Utah stay afloat in business. Yeah. Cause I mean, it is such like a tourist destination and you know, that was a big concern of people like not traveling, but clearly they are and they're going to Park City, Utah. <laughs> yeah. Well, by nature, Park City is easy to social distance when you're hiking and biking. You know, I don't know how this, the ski season, they're going to regulate how many people are on the mountain. So you have to check in. Yeah, my dad, so my dad used to work for Park City Mountain Resort and he was saying that people have to make a reservation because, you know, the chairlifts, they don't want to overpack those. And I'm just like, that that would really suck for someone who spent a lot of money on a season pass not to be able to use it anytime you want. Yeah, crazy. But by nature, you wear a mask when you're skiing. So hopefully everyone can stay safe. Yeah, that's that's very true. So where in Utah did you grow up? So I grew up in Pleasant Grove and Alpine. So I was born and raised in Pleasant Grove. When I was in high school, my parents moved to Alpine. So I went to Lone Peak High. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I don't think we played against Lone Peak. Did you go to Park City High? I I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. What did you do in high school? Did you play any sports or? I was involved in a lot. I did choir. I did drama. I did band earlier years. I did cheerleading. I did clubs. I, I, I loved a good extracurricular. Growing up, were you, were you like a very good Mormon or were you what we call Jack Mormon? Oh my God, Katie. I was the most Molly Mormon. Like mm. I was Molly, Molly, like to the core. I did everything right. I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I wasn't perfect, but I followed all the rules. You know, I didn't drink. I didn't let my boyfriends touch me. I was so good. I held church callings too, all growing up. What is a church so calling? I, so when you're a youth, you have different um, youth groups and different ages within the church um, have like a presidency. So I was president of the beehives, which is like ages 12 to 14. And then I was president of the my maids, which is ages 14 to 16. And I was Laurel president ages 16 to 18. And I served on the seminary council. I mean, I was all in. Wow. That's really impressive. And you've gone to the complete other side. Iris and Bo. Yeah. Iris and Bo. So I um, just closed a deal with Ipsy Glambag. Do you know Ipsy? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Iris and Bo is going to be in a February Ipsy Glambag. And we, my serum was late to ship because, you know, this time of year shipping's a wreck. So I got my product late. So I was trying to meet a tough deadline. So I, once we packed up the pallets, I drove the product to Texas myself. We had to rent a box truck and drive seven pallets through the night. Oh my gosh. And the the Penske truck turned into like this whole, like I was going to make a YouTube series or not a YouTube, a live series on just like getting my order to Ipsy but it turned into the series is now called the Penske. And we had so much fun in the truck and it just turned into like middle of the night, delirious humor. I did like live Q and A's. It was so much fun. So what you drove through the night, you got there and then what you turned around and came back. So we got there, <laughs> returned to the truck and got on a flight back to Salt Lake city. Oh, thank God you didn't drive back. Okay. I was going to say, oh, that hell no, no. We dropped that thing off at the local Home Depot and went to the airport and chilled in the lounge. Going back to the Mormon years in your life, you were married when you were younger. Was it like you had a boyfriend, he was a missionary, you came back and then got married and had, we didn't have a kid immediately, but. (laughs) Yeah, no. So my story is a little different. I can't even tell you how many missionaries I sent on their mission. I was like the queen of dating (laughs) toys and then they'd go on their mission. It was like the perfect like scapegoat, like non-committal situation, right? Yeah, but how many of them thought they were going to come back and get married to you? I had a few writing me their entire mission. (laughs) Oh, poor (laughs) thing. I know. No, so I got married my first time at 19 years old. I married like the most amazing Mormon man. He really is the best person, handsome, on paper would be like the royal wedding of Alpine, Utah because of our families and our backgrounds. And we only dated for about three months before we even started talking about marriage. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And uh, I think it was, we were engaged right before the six month mark and married like right before a full year. Oh my God. And you're only 19. (laughs) Oh, I had no idea who I was or what I was doing. It was like 
it was just the, de- the design of my life laid out for me, right? That's what we do. I, around the time I got married to him, all my friends were getting married. Like majority of my friends were getting married. Some of them even had their like first kid on the way. Wow. Cause they, you know, their first semester of going to BYU, I went to UVU, but they all went to BYU. They like met return missionaries and got married right away. So I, here I am married this amazing man, but you know, we didn't have sex before marriage. This interruption is to remind you to take your vitamin. Ritual vitamins have been my go-to ever since I got my shit together and embraced being an adult, but Ritual is not your typical multivitamin. Their clean, vegan-friendly formula is made with key nutrients in forms your body can actually use and no shady extras. And to me, knowing exactly what I'm ingesting is the important. I have been taking their multivitamin for a few years now and I just started taking their prenatal because you know gotta get the body right before baby um beyond all of that I love their delayed release no nausea capsule design which is also like gorgeous these like clear little capsules I love them so much so I can take them in the morning on an empty stomach that's my preferred time also they taste good the multivitamin has like a fresh minty taste and the prenatals is citrus so you're not gagging them down because we've all been there and done that and ritual has something for everyone in your family men women kids teens at every stage in life and your vitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always you can start snooze or cancel your account at any time and if you don't love ritual within the first month they'll refund your first order so i cannot recommend ritual enough you guys i promise you will love it and your body's gonna love it too and you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin and that is why ritual is offering my listeners 10 percent off during your first three months that's a big savings 10 percent off in your first three months so all you have to do is visit ritual.com slash love me to start your ritual today. All right. Do we all take our vitamin? Then let's get back to the show. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury and I am divorced, not dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. Did you kiss? Did you dry hump? Did you do anything that was like remotely close to it? Not even dry humping. Like no Levi love it. No BYU floating. None of it. Like <laughs> we, he didn't, he didn't even grab my boobs. Wow. So you can imagine this intensity of like just hardcore making out and like this lust of wanting to have sex. So I think it makes you feel like you have this insane connection, right? Right. But yeah. really it's like just the forbidden fruit that you're chasing. So then we get married and unfortunately that connection just wasn't there for me. Once you finally um, did have sex, you're like, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hate to say that because I'm sure a lot of your listeners know who I'm talking about, who might 
ex-husband is maybe they don't maybe it doesn't matter he's happily married now but but maybe it was just like because you know what wasn't good for you could be great for somebody else so it's not necessarily negative about him it just you if you don't have chemistry sexually then like what are you doing yeah so that really you know solidified the point of like you test drive a car before you buy it totally you're gonna walk through a home you're gonna open the cupboards You're going to like check the vents, you know, you're going to make sure you do your due diligence before you make a big purchase. And unfortunately with the Mormon culture, you don't get that opportunity. I mean, a lot of people do, but I, I stuck by the rules. I wanted to follow the rules so I could go through the temple worthy to go through the temple, which is something else I wanted to ask you. So you clearly got married in the temple and I don't think people understand how insane it is. My old boyfriend was Mormon and his, you know, he wasn't really practicing Mormon. So he wasn't worthy of going in the temple. So if you're not worthy and you're not Mormon, you can't even see your own brother get married. But I also know that, or I've heard that when you get married, there's like a crazy, like repentant process or something. Oh yeah. So I've, I've done it all. I had some repenting to do before I got married and go to, went to the temple. So I had to sit in front of my bishop um, at the time and tell him the list of things that I had done wrong. And that was, that included, you know, things I had done with other men bes- prior to my husband. Um, cause I did, I did have a wild moment in between graduating high school and marrying my first husband. I did have this moment of like Whitney gone wild, my version of it at the <laughs> time. So I had to repent of that cause I had drank beer. I started drinking coffee and I had messed around with some boys. So I had to go and admit all of that to the bishop and I had to follow a certain criteria of like scripture reading, going to church so many times. Then I became worthy to have a calling and I had to have a calling in the church for a minute. And then I started going to like bishop council with my fiance and then I got like certification. (laughs) My temple recommend is what they call. So you call it your bishop. Once he feels like you're worthy, he gives you your recommend, which is a recommendation to enter the temple, the house of the Lord, because it's very sacred. Like what happens in the temple is very sacred to the LDS faith. I get in trouble for saying Mormon. I'm supposed to say LDS. I I didn't know that was a thing either. Sorry, everyone. Um, I don't want to be rude. So yeah. So LDS, Latter-day Saint. So yeah. So then you can imagine, I just go to the temple. I'm newly married. Like freshly forgiven and clean. And then I meet Justin. (laughs) How soon after you were married, did you meet Justin? Six months. Oh, you can imagine how confusing that was, right? I just did all the things that I prepared my entire life for. I found this man of my dreams, perfect on paper. And then I walk in and meet this guy that's older than me. He's married. I'm married. Like it was the most confusing thing ever because I was so connected and drawn to Justin. Wow. And Justin was still involved in the church? Yeah, at the time. I always tease that I brought him to the dark side. But I mean, you guys were both just like angels practically, didn't do anything wrong, like drank coffee and maybe grinded on your boyfriend or something. Like that does not make a sinner out of anyone. But, you know, I do know in the LDS faith that that is considered to be wrong. So who would you say like started or pursued the other one? You? It was absolutely me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is kind of natural, like both of us. So it's kind of like one of those things. I don't know how you met 
Tom, but you know, when you're drawn to someone or even like when you meet a, a new girlfriend that you just adore, you like naturally start to congregate together, right? Like, like if you're in a group of friends, you like naturally find yourself sitting down and talking more than you're talking to other people. So that's how it just kind of naturally happened at work. Like just non-intentionally just started finding myself around him a lot more. But when it came down to when I really said, okay, I have feelings for this guy and this is a huge problem. And this is before anything happened, like nothing, no crossing the line. It was just an internal feeling like my soul, my heart was filling. So I went into his office one day and I just shut the door and I said, okay, I'm feeling some sort of way. Oh my God. So either you're <laughs> feeling it too, either I'm crazy or you're feeling it too. And we have a problem. And he just smiled at those big dimples and like leaned over his desk like this. And he's like, we have a problem. Oh my God. I just got chills. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. And so from there, it was the biggest whirlwind romance. Just because I cheated doesn't mean I condone cheating. Okay. Like, so when I talk about this, I'm not saying to everyone, like, I'm okay with cheating. Like, no, I'm, I'm actually a loyalist and I know that's conflicting, but it was the like hottest, most romantic romance we wrote each other letters like every day because we couldn't be together. And we just celebrated our 11th anniversary in November. And I took all of those love letters and I put them into a book and it is so hilarious to go back (laughs) and read them. Did it ever cross your mind that maybe you are somebody who's excited or likes things that you can't have? Cause you know, (laughs) first it was like the husband, you know, you couldn't have sex with your husband. So you thought, you know, like there was some kind of crazy connection there but there really truly wasn't and now here you meet this guy who's like not available to you and you're not available to him either but yeah I think I definitely am that type of person but I think I like the challenge of getting what I want too that is the ultimate challenge yeah I mean if you just look at like you know real housewives of Salt Lake City my business um I mean Justin and I have been married 11 years now it's like I I think I am attracted to the chase of everything. It is exciting. It's thrilling. And especially when, especially I think when you live a life that's sheltered, you kind of can catch yourself getting caught up in those kind of things. But, you know, I think as scandalous as it is or whatever, it's sometimes that's just life. And sometimes you meet your person in, you know, it is what it is. And I, I truly think that it's what you do after the fact. Yeah. So how did like, you break the news to like your family, his family, like what happened then? Cause I imagine there were some angry people. Oh yes, there was. (laughs) It wasn't even just scandalous or hurtful for our family and friends. It was like a very public thing. But when it came down to it, we really decided, okay, this isn't just a fling. This isn't just like about sex. This isn't about wanting what you can't have when we were like, no, we want a life together. We want to live together. We want to do all of these things. Justin made the move first. Like he, he separated from his wife and moved out before I did. It took me a while, Katie. I went back to my ex and then I'd go back to Justin. Then I'd go back to my ex. I like, I did a ping pong thing for a minute. I told my husband what was going on. And I even went to the Bishop. I had to go to a state president. So first time I repented, I had to go to the Bishop. This time I had to go to the state president council, which is like another level up. So I had to sit down in front of multiple men and tell them about my affair. And it was so 
uncomfortable because they would ask me questions like, well, did you like it? Things like that. And I would just be like, wait a second. This is when I started realizing, wait a second, what's going on here? Because I thought I'm like confessing a sin to give forgiveness, not for your perversion or to exploit. So that what are you going to go do? And like the bathroom, you can go jack off to the thought of me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but I'm just throwing it all out there because I'm an honest person, nothing to hide. Yeah, I had to go and confess my sins in front of a group of men. They actually didn't kick me out of the church. They actually recommended that I go to the temple the next week and stay with my ex-husband. They were willing to forgive me and give me my temple recommend back to stay married to my first husband. And that's when I had my final like closure on the deal. I'm like, no, this is definitely not my lifestyle. This is not for me. I'm going to let this guy go and move on and be with Justin. And then were you guys just like, let's just go crazy. Let's go get drunk. Let's go have sex. You're just like, oh yeah, bucket. (laughs) Well, Justin and I were doing all of that during our affair. Justin and I were drinking together. We were having sex. We were, we were being so naughty. (laughs) But you're like, this is the life I want. It's crazy that the church will be so involved in your lives. Like, okay, you can stay married to your husband. Like how, what, on what planet is anyone else's decision, whether you stay with someone or not, except your own. That's mental. I don't know. I, I think I, I went along with it for a long time because I truly believed it. But when I started living outside of that bubble and when I started challenging those principles and I didn't feel bad about it, I remember sitting in Park City with Justin drinking a Corona. And it was my first time really like feeling drunk before or like tipsy. And I remember looking at him saying, why don't I feel bad about this? Like I've been taught my entire life that I should feel guilty and I'm of age. I'm, you know, I was, I think I was 22 at the time and I don't feel bad for getting drunk. Like, what does this mean? Right. So Justin and I really, I think that's what connected us on a deeper level is because we journeyed outside of the church together. I think that's what has allowed us to make it through the last 11 years. Cause believe me, I mean, you know, marriage is not easy. No, <laughs> no, it's not a cakewalk. It's not, it, it requires a lot of work. And I think Justin and I just having that experience together of fighting for the life we want, the lifestyle, you know, not being in the church anymore. I think that's helped glue us deep together. In your, yeah. Deep in your connection. Yeah. So you leave the church, but you're also ostracized by the church community and your own family. And so you kind of, you guys probably felt isolated, even though you were together. Like how long did it take for you to sort of come back together with your families and things to be okay? To be quite honest, we still haven't fully come back together with our families. Yeah. It wasn't until Justin's father died a year ago that I felt like he accepted me. And it wasn't until he, through his passing that I felt like his final acceptance. My family's a wreck. Like even just this week, my sister went on social media and posted some shade, pretty much saying like, people stop asking me about my sister. I'm not close to her. It's bad. So I still wow. don't have my family back. No, but friends, friends have started coming back since I became a housewife. Oh, well, hello. Everyone comes out of the freaking woodwork when that happens. But I just feel like it's so wrong. And I know you probably have like, even as frustrating as it is, but you know, maybe just accepted that, you know, you might not ever 
win them over again, but just to be so like villainized in their eyes, just because you've chosen a life for yourself that a lot of people live. And that's, I think that's my problem with a lot of religions is everyone, you know, in in different religions always thinks they're the superior over everyone who's not a part of what they're doing. And that's just, that's not it. (laughs) I still battle the pain and the like anger and resentment because I look at them and I see, you know, certain things or certain judgments way that they view the world. And it's not any better. Like they're not any better because they put value on what to criticize and where to sit. Right. So yeah, you're, you're just fine lying to your wife or stealing money from your business partner, but you won't have a fucking beer. Exactly. (laughs) Can I swear on this? Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, girl, let it, let it rip. I've read a lot of things and heard a lot of things that in Utah, there's a lot of people very addicted to porn, a lot of men and a lot of women who love prescription pills. So me thinks there's a bit of a hypocrisy happening. Major hypocrisy. And that's the, that's like the, there's a joke and it's like, what's the difference between a California Mormon and a Utah Mormon? Utah Mormons only mow their backyard on Sundays. It's like you sin in secret. So Mormons are not perfect. I don't know a single perfect person. Do you No. of any religion walk? Like, so the the way that Mormons sin is secretive. It is. It's with painkillers. It's, it's with affairs. It's with porn. Porn is a huge problem in Utah. I mean, there's a ton of just porn rehabilitation centers here. And as I shared with, you know, my journey on this last year with my father, like opiates, Xanax, Adderall. I mean, it's bad. It is bad. Because there's no other way for them to release. You have to be perfect. They don't know how to cope. And they think because they can get it from a doctor, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like it's marijuana or, you know, some kind of street drug. It's, you know, given to them by their doctor. So it's safe. It's fine. And no one has to know because that's private information. But, you know, everyone knows now. The way, sorry, LDS view addiction. And you talked about this on the show and I thought that was really interesting. And maybe a lot of people don't understand. I don't want to misquote, but what... What did you say? I, I was just talking about how, you know, my, with my father's journey, my family and the, like my Mormon family view my dad's addiction as a choice. It's a consequence of his choices. Right. Yeah. Not as a disease. I used to think this way as well, because it's, Hey, you made the choice to take that pill, right? Just like you make the choice to take a drink. But however, what I didn't understand was these addictive genes and it's, it's actually a disease in the brain. And it wasn't until I went through the program with my father, I went through the family program and took classes to learn about addiction so that I could better understand how to support him. And it is a disease in the brain. And the longer that you use or drink or um, whatever you're abusing, it damages and changes the chemistry in your brain. And it creates literal holes in your brain. Yeah. Um, addiction is a disease. And yeah, my family, they all look down on my dad for it. They don't feel bad for him. They, they so don't want to help him. There's no empathy. It's a consequence of his choices because he's a bad person. So are you the only one in your family that is, you know, any kind of support to him? Yes. Oh my God. I, my brother will, did you see him on the, we'll talk about that in a second, but cause I do want to ask about that, but yeah, no, I did. I did see that there's a conversation. It seems that he's maybe more 
supportive than maybe the rest? Yeah. So, and he's not even my dad's biological son. Wow. My dad's his stepfather. So it really truly has only been me. And then my brother, Will has started coming around. Oh my gosh. And how's your dad doing now? He's not talking to me right now. Oh no. I'm sorry. I know. I don't know what's going on, but he was talking to Will, but now he's cut us both off. Wow. So I'm really concerned because in the past, this means one thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can guess. He was doing so well over the summer and through COVID, he was spending a lot of time here when we were quarantine lockdown. He helped me like we put up shiplap in my house. We did a bunch of projects around my house together and he was doing so well, but I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. He's distanced himself again. So I won't make you talk about that, but I'm, I'm really sorry. No, it's, it's okay. It's, it goes to prove that addiction really is, it's real. It's a disease and it's a journey. It's not a destination. You don't just get sober and then you're cured. It's no. a constant fight every day. Yeah. It's so, it's really sad. I mean, that's why people struggle for so many years and a lot of times end up losing their lives to it as well because it's just, it is really hard. And without the kind of proper support and people that you can trust to help you, wanting to help yourself, obviously too. And you can imagine someone like my dad, there's so many people out there who are in his shoes who just feel alone because their family is done. They're sick of it. They're sick of dealing with it. It's expensive. Keep going to rehab. It's expensive. It's emotional. It's exhausting. But yeah, it's, it's so hard to know how to be there for an addict. Yeah. But I think you just being so open about the area of your life and not feeling shame, but wanting to present in a way just, you know, with real like love and, and support behind it and not in any kind of exploitive way that I feel like will help other people. I mean, you, you're very open about so much in your life and that I just, I love to see it because I feel like so many people want to come on a show and present themselves as however they think they look or they want to be perceived as, and it never works out. And you look like a damn fool. What was something that maybe was like a concern that you had going into filming or that you were nervous about, or did you have anything like that? Any concerns? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I have a damn good life. Like outside of the show, I have the most amazing life. We've always had so much fun. We work hard. We play hard. Um, I have amazing children and they were my biggest concern, um, protecting them from the public, from judgment. I mean, they're, they're kids. They don't need to be put into a position where now people are looking at them differently or judging them. And let's be honest, I live in Utah suburbs. Well, my kids miss out on playdates on birthday parties because we're not Mormon. And I just didn't want this to like make that worse or make it like a bigger thing because I knew if I was going to do a show, I was going to do a show exactly how I am. And sometimes that's a lot. Like sometimes I'm on a pole. Sometimes (laughs) I'm in the hot tub naked. Like, you know, I, I live my life and my kids know that because I don't hide it from my kids, but I do protect them. I, you know, I only expose them at what level they're capable of understanding. Yeah. I mean, eventually when they're maybe old enough to understand, it won't be a problem. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, my concern was my family, um, 
having strain on my family and my marriage. That was a concern of mine. With I mean, we weren't married, didn't have kids, obviously, but still like those kinds of relationships are sacred to you and you don't want outside influences to come in and, you know, destroy what you have. But then also you have to realize if we're as strong as we are, nothing could. How is that with Tom being on the same show? Cause you had to go through things that were like exposed and hard. Yeah, it was, it was not fun, not easy, but I know that I'm not the only person that's gone through that. So I felt like I couldn't avoid it. I couldn't run from it. It was, it was happening no matter what. And I needed to just kind of face it head on. The only way out of things is through them. I don't condone cheating just because it's happened. You know, it's not something I'm like, it's okay, but it's just, you know, it's something I wanted us to get through. It's terribly embarrassing, obviously having people watch you be just decimated by your significant other. I feel like because we did it publicly like that, that it's made me so much stronger. Cause it's like, what are you going to say? Shit's gone really bad for me already. So at this point, there's not really much you can say or do. <laughs> the show or being on a show, being in front of the world, it almost makes you handle things better, quicker, faster. You're forced to face your shit. Yeah. No, it's not like you and can you just can't be like, dance around it. I think is, I don't think a lot of people are equipped and I'm not saying like, we're so great because we can deal with this, but some people just aren't equipped to that. They lack, you know, self-awareness, they lack accountability and those kind of things. And that's going to make it hard for those types of people. But I feel like we're kind of similar in that sense of like, I just want to put it all out there and, and resolve it and not band-aids over things but at the same time there there was a moment in this journey as soon as we wrapped filming there was a point in time where one of my castmates was doing very ugly things behind the scenes towards me and it like dropped me to my knees like it was the first time that because I I meditate and I call on my higher power what I believe that is it what I believe that to be there was a moment during this process where I felt so vulnerable it dropped me to my knees. So as much as this show has built me up, it's broken me down as it's, well. It's gonna, it's what, it's gonna do that over and over and over again. Like that is the beast of this shit, but it's so much fun along the process. But people you wouldn't think would do things because it becomes a bit of like a battlefield. So that's perfect because I relate it. I can't remember who I said this to and who I haven't yet. But whenever I'm asked, what is it like to do Housewives? And I say, it's like the Hunger Games. I had no idea that I was signing up for the Hunger Games. And I always tease like, hi, I'm Whitney from District 4. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so you talk about like some people coming out of the woodwork that's going to happen. Have you noticed anything else change? Or like, what's been the biggest thing that you've noticed? Well, I can't really go to the grocery store looking like a train wreck anymore without getting oh, noticed. Sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I know I can, but it's like just the amount of recognition I've gotten so far. Like even when I was in Dallas, I was in a gas station and someone asked me, hey, are you Whitney Rose? I was like, what? It's creepy to hear like strangers say your name, right? But kind of cool at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so far I'm in the beginning of it. You know, we've only had six episodes out. So right now it's fun, but it's weird. It's so weird that strangers feel like they know you. That, and that's been really cool. And just the amount of love that I've received in my DMs has been really amazing too. 
the Bravo community is like cutthroat. They either love you or they hate you. And they'll switch back and forth. The people that used to love me, hate me. And then they come back and they love and they hate. It's like, that's why I try not to take too much of it to heart because it, it changes so quick. The tide changes very fast, season to season, episode to episode, even you just never know. But I mean, they're so, I mean, intense and amazing. And I mean, ugh, I hope one day we do BravoCon again, because that would blow your mind. The shit was crazy. I mean, people are fanatical and I love it. It was like, I just like, I feed off the energy. It's amazing. How, how was BravoCon? Like, that's when they announced Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh my God, me and Lala were that like... That was the first year. We squealed. We were like, <gasps> yeah, we were so, so excited. And this is before they announced any cast. And we knew, we knew like literally nothing, but we're like, yes, we're going to get a franchise that is not like any of the other ones. I mean, we, from the backdrop to, I mean, hello, Utah's gorgeous in the snow and all that. And I love that. But also I just feel like there's that extra layer when you bring in the the whole, you know, LDS. So yeah, you're doing so well on saying LDS. You can say Mormon. You're fine. Cause you're not, you've never been Mormon. So you can say Mormon. Oh, really? So for us, like non Mormons, we can say Mormon. <laughs> I mean, I think you get a grace, but I remember when, so it was announced and then we started filming at my vow renewal and I met producer Aaron Foy and I had found out that she done Vanderpump Rules. And as you know, I've already told you, I'm the biggest fan. It's the first reality show that Justin and I started watching together. Oh my God. It's Vanderpump Rules. And so I remember when I was talking to Foy and I'm like, oh my God, I want to meet them. I want to meet Katie. I want to meet Tom. I want to go to Tom Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I met you in Park City, Foy was like, stay cool. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't fangirl out. Just stay cool. Stay chill. She could tell my energy like was starting to ramp up. Like I was so excited. She's like, stay cool. <laughs> stay cool. Oh gosh, boy. I had so much fun at that party. I remember, yeah, and we met Justin and you guys are so cute together. I love y'all together. That's why I don't even care how you met. I'm just glad that you did. But Aww. does he also do poll with you? <laughs> or was that just you? Your <laughs> yeah, no, actually Justin can swing around the pole very well. Really? Wow. I'll post a video for you. He can go upside down. He can spin around. And I mean, he's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big guy. What was the move that you did on your brother? I do jujitsu and Muay Thai. In one of the trailers, it teases me saying like, when someone comes at me, I want to punch him in the fucking face. That was me like telling the cameraman, like, don't ever let her come after me again. Like, I have to hold my hands behind my back if I'm getting some bitch thinks they're sh like can get in my face. <laughs> oh my God. Cause <laughs> you're like, like I'm going to take you down. Cause you're a weapon at this point, right? Yeah. How many years have you been um, practicing? I jujitsu. I don't have like an official belt or anything in jujitsu, but I've done it on and off for 10 years. And then Muay Thai I've trained like really strictly for the last seven years. Like I do it consistently. That must be a lot of fun. I want to try that. I did, I did capoeira. I don't know what that is. What did, which one is that? It's like an Afro-Brazilian mar martial arts where it's like kind of more like dancing style fighting, but it's like, it's kicks and, you know, flip stuff. I can't, I couldn't flip, but it's, it's crazy. I'll send you something on Instagram to watch, but do you have any other like hidden skills and talents besides pole and Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu? I mean, obviously you saw that I love to snowboard. I think snowboarding is like my strongest sport. If I do something, I go all in. 
I snowboard. I we boat in the summer, so I love to surf and wakeboard. I cannot sing. That okay. is something not so no one thing you can't there. do. I cannot sing. I just love to try everything. I don't. I'm scared of everything. Is that bad? Is that terrible? Because there's things I could be like, you know what? I could die tomorrow and never regret not doing that. If if it's one of those things, like I never need to go skydiving. I just know that. Do you know what's funny? I have no desire to skydive. That is one thing that I am scared of is skydiving and deep sea scuba diving. No, 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 no. I can't even snorkel because I don't like something on my face. It's like really claustrophobic. (laughs) It's... And Tom like loves it. I feel bad whenever we go on a trip to Hawaii or something. He's like, I want to go snorkeling. And I'm like, bye, Ben. I'm not going with you. Oh, poor guy. I swear I'm not boring. I just, I don't like taking unnecessary risks where I could just hurt myself. It just feels just not my thing. I don't know. What do you enjoy? What would you do right now if you could, if we weren't weren't in the middle of a pandemic? I would be on a plane to somewhere in Europe to go drink and eat my way through a city and give zero fucks. That's what I enjoy doing. I be, I like leisure, leisure things. I want to go walk around, you know, shops and look at, you know, look at the sites. I want to go have, you know, wine in the middle of the day, always having involved drinks, you know, obviously I just like to cruise. I'm not like a thrill seeker at all. Are you a sightseer? Like, do you like to go wait in line and do the tours and the monuments? Are you more of a, like, like you're saying, like to see the local site? I like to do my own thing. I don't want to do, I don't want to do the canned stock tours. That can be great, but also like you can kind of DIY that and see the things that you want to see and see it through, you know, the people who's lived there's eyes. That's why I feel like you're going to get the culture, you're going to get the experience. I miss traveling. I love being at home. Like I could stay at home every day of my life and I'm fine, but I have to be able to travel. And so like, that's what's killing me is I went through the other day. I was, you know how you can look in your phone and look at the years. I went back to like 2018 and I was like, so jealous of my life back then. I was, did so much fun things. I traveled to so many places and stuff. Like it was so much fun. And it was so sad because I go through mine this week and it's just a bunch of pictures of like my dog. It's like you have FOMO of your own life. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so, it's really sad. Have you been drinking a lot? Oh my God. Yes. Like more than I should. Yeah. When we couldn't go out at all, like, cause now, you know, at least I was still able to like go out on walks. Like I love to rollerblade. So it started turning into, well, I need a glass of wine while I rollerblade. I need a glass of wine <laughs> while we go on a bike ride. I need a, that's what COVID did. <laughs> There'll be, I'll make sure I'll go like, I'll dry out for about five days. I would feel like I was fine at the beginning. I was like, who, why are people drinking every day? I got like the late onset uh, Corona kind of depression. Like I was good for a really long time. And now I'm just like, just give me a bottle of wine and leave me alone. <laughs> See, I was there in the beginning, but we had just come off of filming. We wrapped filming and the very next week, everything shut down. But I mean, I have to be a mom. So we, we try our best to save it for the weekend, the drinking. So let's talk about Iris and Bo. So when did you start that? Yeah, I started Iris and Bo four years ago. Wow. Yeah, I've been working my ass off for a very long time to get this company where it's at now. My concept was natural skincare that actually works. So we combat aging by feeding the skin the proper nutrients and hydration that it needs. And 
you know, I'm not a chemist. I'm not even a statistician. I went to business school at St. Mary's in Morocco, California, but I've always been a skincare junkie. Like I've had difficult skin. I have bad skin. It's really hard to treat. I have melasma, eczema. I have all the things that are like so hard to treat. My entire life I've spent a ton on skincare and I just started learning what was working, um, what wasn't. And I literally would go to the health food store and make my own serums. I'd go get like vitamin E, jojoba oil. And I just started making my own serums. And so just being that like entrepreneurial spirit that I am, I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I like when people just kind of start doing it on their own and then they like just run with it. That's so admirable. I wish I had more of that in me. I, again, I'm a scaredy cat, so. Well, you have your wine. You have, you have a lot of entrepreneurism in you. I am working on some stuff eventually I'll talk about, but what is like your sort of best product or what is your most popular product? Our top product is our Glow. It's a moisturizer. It is like a game changer. It's the most hydrating and plumping moisturizer that I've ever used. Um, It has a ton of B vitamins, uh, amino acids, peptides, DMAE. So it's like the most power punch if you were to pick one product. Glow would definitely be it. Is it like a cream or gel? It's a moisturizer, but it's a vitamin E base. So it's like kind of a gel, like kind of like an aloe filling to it, but it's thick it's sticky. So it's like, it's kind of tacky at first. And when you put it on your skin and it absorbs into your skin, that tackiness goes away and then it leaves your, it literally will plump your skin. Wow. It's insane. It's the, the, it's the product I started with that and my biopeptide serum, they have the same base and that's what changed. I have celiac um, disease and I get eczema whenever I eat wheat. And it's the only thing that changed that for me. That would calm my skin down. Wow. I got to try this. Can people shop online for it? Yes. Irisandbow.com. Yeah. We also have a really cool program. It's um, an ambassador program. It's free to sign up. It's like a rewards program. So anyone who goes and signs up, they get their own unique code that they can use for a discount and they can share it and post about it and offer a discount to their audiences. So now we're in Ipsy. I'm so excited for you. I like to end my episodes because, you know, I'm familiar with rage texting. I want to ask you what your rage text of the day would be to a person, a place, a thing, whatever's really grinding your gears. (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Right now it's so sad, but it's at my sister, at my family. Like I would go off right now on being hypocritical and being judgmental and being two-faced and like not acting like Jesus Christ. Like essentially you're all the ones that go to church and take the name of Christ upon you and you're not acting very Christ-like to me. Boom. Because guess who Jesus hung out with, Katie? The whores, the sinners, the lepers, all of it, right? It's a good time. <laughs> so there you go. He liked a good time. He also turned water into wine to wine. Oh, we loved him for that. (laughs) Right. That's amazing. So go be more like Jesus. Christ-like is the only way to be. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. I, I like, I feel like I wanted to just like talk to you about every little thing. Nothing we can probably talk about publicly, but (laughs) yeah, well you can call me later. (laughs) 
Hey, how about this? How about later in the season, bring me back and I'll tell you everything. <laughs> I just need a few more episodes for it all to come out. And then Perfect. I can talk about it. I know. It's, I feel like it's just going to get more juicy and I cannot wait to watch it. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, be kind to yourself. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, follow along on social at Music Kills Kate, and tune in next week for an all new episode. 